Having a baby doesn't have to mean feeling petrified or enduring hours of labour pain. My name's Sophia Hansen and I'm on a mission to help you feel calm and relaxed in pregnancy and labour because that's what helps you have a better birth. Check out sophiahansen.com to see what I can do for you. Rebecca is a first-time mum. She was one of my lovely prenatal yoga students and then moved on to enjoy baby massage and mum and baby yoga. Rebecca found out at 36 weeks that her daughter, who had been in what we thought was the perfect position for birth the whole way through, was actually in a breech position. So Rebecca went on to have an ACV to try to help her baby to turn with no success. So here was Rebecca with all of these dream birth plans in her mind that she'd been working with for weeks and weeks and weeks. And suddenly dream birth look to be out of the window so tell us a little bit about that Rebecca how did it how did it feel when you first find out that that Rosamond was Frank breach position yeah um so <laughs> I was pretty devastated I mean I'd I'd done all of the I suppose like antenatal classes and um read about hypnobirthing and things and even when I've been doing that, I'd and I know that everyone says you know, it's a preference, not plan, and you've got to be open to things changing. Yeah, I think even though I'd done that, I was really, I suppose it's quite quite arrogant in a way. But I was like, yeah, but I'm not going to have a C-section. Like you know, the things that are going to change are going to be, um, you know, whether I have pain medication or uh, you know, we have to have a forceps delivery or things like that. It, or you know the birthing pool isn't available and it never really kind of sort of went in that like c-section was something that could happen because I was like but I'm doing you know I'm doing the hypnobirthing I know all about how I'm gonna um you know make sure that I've got all this oxytocin and um yeah I'm calm and I'm ready and kind of all of these things that I was like you know this is this is gonna work and I, I sort of thought you know oh well maybe um you know, if I'm in labour and there's something that's, you know, worried about the baby in any way, then yeah, of course, you know, I'll I'll go have a C-section. And I know people that that's happened to. So I was sort of like, yeah, that's how it's going to happen. And then, so when I found out, it was just like, um, I suppose it's like you've got all the emotions of pregnancy, but honestly, it was like the world has ended. Like, this is like, I don't want to do this anymore. Like, I'm just, and I, I remember I sort of, fell out with hypnobirthing and kind of everything because I was like well what's the point you know what's the point of practicing this breathing if I'm not going to have you know I'm not going to go into labor I'm not going to have any of the um you know the things that I've been thinking about you know creating this kind of lovely calm birth environment that's not going to happen for me so there's no point <laughs> I'm very um yeah just sort of quite a, a negative place in that respect but also very much like you know I've, I've got to do everything I can to try and make my baby turn um, and we talked about you know I went, went for an ECV and that didn't work um, and that was really the point at which I started to go okay um, you know this is this is kind of just how it's going to be like I, I'm probably going to have a c-section 
And after I'd had the um, VCV and it hadn't worked, the consultant came and spoke to me and sort of said, look, you know, your, your choices are you can, we can book you in for a C-section or um, we can, you, you can think about having a vaginal breach birth. Um, which actually the, the hospital, Cold Blair Hospital, are very supportive around vaginal breech birth. And, um, you know, that was something that was definitely an option on the table. Um, and I knew immediately, I was like, that is not something I want to do. Um, I know that lots of people, you know, have wonderful births that way. But for me, it just wasn't, it wasn't something that I, I wanted to do. Um, so then sort of, I was like, well, I've got to have a C-section, but I, I was like, I don't want to book in for a C-section. Um, partly because I was still, I wanted to give my baby as much time as possible. Like I still had this little bit of hope that my baby would still turn that it would all happen at like the last minute. Um, so I wanted to say, have as much time as possible but also a little bit from I suppose my own kind of point of view I wanted my baby to choose when she arrived and um, so I remember saying to the, the consultant you know I'd like to go into labour first and the consultant was kind of like well why do you want to do that? <laughs> I want to use my hypnobirth breathing I really do. <laughs> yeah it was and it was kind of quite a not an abrupt question but you know it, it was very much like well why do you want to do that like why don't you just want to book in for a c-section um and I sort of said to you well because I've heard that there's benefits of doing it and it's you know I want to give my baby as much time as possible and actually the consult she was really supportive of that she just sort of said like you know it had been a sort of immediate comment because not many people choose to do that most people just go right I'm going to book in for a c-section yeah. Um, but you know there are benefits to um, to going into labour, um, and we sort of talked about you know not so much for um, your your baby um, now, but if you have a baby in future, then having gone into labour can be beneficial. Mm. So um, she sort of said to you, I'm happy with that. She's like, I would like you to book in um, at some point, just so that we kind of got you booked in. But um, if we're going to go down that route, you need to go have a scan just to check that if, um, you know, because babies that are breached can come quite quickly, we need to know that if you did have to have a um, breach delivery, that, you know, the baby's not going to get stuck. Because I think what they, they worry about is obviously the sort of size of your pelvis um, and the size of the baby's head, just to check that, you know, nothing's going to... Um, like it would be safe to to have a breach delivery so they just wanted to make sure that if um you know for some reason I couldn't have the c-section then that would uh, still be an option so I really so, love at this point Rebecca sorry to interrupt how much you've been able to be involved and included in that process and conversation so you haven't just got somebody saying you know you're not you're not sitting back as the the mum-to-be saying well am I allowed to do this what do I have yeah. to do you're very much involved in it and your consultants are excellent in the sense that they were giving you the options you know here's your choices here's more research go and make up your own mind that's that's brilliant that's really yeah. brilliant for everybody <laughs> I mean, I, and that was the one thing that really helped me um, in terms of just 
hypnobirthing mm. and understanding what the options were so that I could say actually this is this is what I'd like to do uh, I mean there were certainly things that when I said to the um, consultant you like I said I'd like to try and have a gentle c-section um, rather than uh, so you know trying to make it as much like a um, sort of natural delivery as possible and that was something that the consultant because we I did have some sort of notes of this is what I'd like my c-section to be like um, and she sort of said well that's that's not really possible with a breech delivery you know we're probably just going to have to get the baby out as quickly as possible so there were definitely things where it was you know things that wouldn't have been appropriate and they definitely (laughs) said where they thought it wasn't appropriate but because I knew sort of I had an idea of what I wanted and you know we could have that discussion rather than it just being I think if I hadn't known those like known what the options were I think that it probably would have been a case of you know after I've had the ECV right we're booking you in for a c-section now and that's you know that's just what's going to happen and so yeah definitely you learning and doing the hypnobirthing really helped with that so even though you can't have or you couldn't at that point have everything that that you wanted the very fact that somebody was willing to listen to you and explain why that wasn't appropriate or why that wouldn't be the best course of action still helped you feel like you were part of that process as opposed to then just going no forget that (laughs) (laughs) which would would not have felt very good would it (laughs) yeah and I say I think that all of these things were kind of helped me definitely get from that place of feeling very negative about a c-section and like this is the end of the world this is not what I wanted to getting kind of back on track and feeling like okay this isn't what I wanted but I've still got choices I've still got ways of making it better um, and making it right for me rather than just kind of you know this is you're not having the, the water bath and you're just going to have a, a c-section it's going to be booked in and you know end of discussion um, so yeah definitely helped so then after you've had those um the ecv and those conversations and you've decided mm-hmm. you want to wait for labor to start it really was a case of well off you go get on with your yeah. own life at the moment see what happens and maybe you still want to do some of the I'll stand on my head my arms in the air rub my tummy pat my head all these different things to see if you can get your baby to to turn and I joke but actually spinning babies is a really important thing it is possible to turn some babies but not all and as Rebecca said yeah. sometimes that's to do with with size with positioning and sometimes babies just don't want to be turned in the same way that you don't like to be moved when you're sleeping in bed at night so at that point it was just back to to life as normal and then there was one marvelous day where you and Neil were pottering around wasn't there tell us about this one uh yeah so I'd um so I'd had the ECB at 37 weeks and I'd so I had my due date and even though I knew like babies don't arrive on their due date um most babies don't arrive on their due date I um in my head like everyone told me first babies are always late you know and so I had this I was like I've got I've got weeks you know I'm gonna be um you know waiting around <laughs> trying to fill my time and going swimming and doing all the things that I plan to do on my maternity leave um so yeah so the that was the ECV was on the Monday the following Sunday we went um for went to Skipton which is about an hour away from where we live 
Um, I'd, I think it must have been like nesting instinct. I had this like obsession that I really needed to get some prints for to like finish the nursery. I needed it finished. And um, I was getting really stressed out. And Neil was like, right, change of scenery. We're going to go to Skipton. Um, so we went and we sort of had a little bit of a walk around and then we went and got some fish and chips in the little kind of fish and chip shop there um, and we sort of had lunch and that was really lovely and then as I was getting up to, um, to go to the counter to pay uh, I sort of took a couple steps and then I went oh my god I've like I've wet myself <laughs> and uh, and I sort of like I'd I had this moment where I was like, I haven't, like, I haven't wet myself. <laughs> like, I know that happened. Um, I know when you get to that point at like sort of, you know, 30, 37, 38 weeks where it, everything kind of feels like you're not in control. But I was like, I'm pretty certain I haven't just wet myself. But I was like, yeah, no, there's definitely like a lot of liquid. And that I just, I had this, like, I can't remember if I kind of worked out or whether I just, I just sort of rushed into like the, the toilet they had like a disabled toilet um which was like just around the corner from where i stood so i just went in there and i sort of went okay my waters are broken and i, I think that so when i've done like antenatal classes it all been very much like you know it's not like in films it's not like a gush It'll except be- when it is like in the films <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's like you'll be sat on the sofa and it'll just be like a little trickle um, and you'll probably already be in labour and all, and it's like that it wasn't like that like I had like I wasn't in labour I'd had no um contractions or or anything like that um and they say I just suddenly like my waters went and they properly went like it was the was... fish and chips that did it <laughs> <laughs> Clearly, it was you know just I say I just not expected it and no one had told me to really prepare for that like I don't think anyone had sent you that like so I didn't have anything with me like I didn't have any maternity pads or anything like that because I just wasn't expecting it and I think as say I'd thought that um you not that my baby would come on her due date but certainly that she wouldn't come before her due date so I'd just been completely unprepared and uh so obviously Neil sort of paid for our fish and chips and then sort of came to the, the toilet door and knocked on the door and was like are you okay and um, I said that my, my waters have broken can you just go to there's a clothes shop across the road can you just go in and buy me a pair of clean leggings because like you know I need a change of clothes so he went and went and got some leggings and came back um, and I sort of tried to like clear clean myself up as much as possible <laughs> and then put these clean leggings on and then we sort of walked out and um, it was like, right, we'll just, you know, we'll get in a car and we'll, um, we'll drive to the hospital. And I was like, well, I can't, like, I am just leaking. <laughs> like, if I sit in the car, it's going to ruin the car seat. I was like, right, go buy me a towel. <laughs> so <laughs> we went off into the shop again and went and bought a towel. And I got on the phone to the maternity assessment unit and I sort of said, look, um, my, my baby's breach or she was breached last time I was scanned um my waters are just broken should I come in and I'm like yeah you know come in we'll be we'll be waiting for you we'll be ready um just come over as as quickly as you can and 
I had, it was this kind of weird moment because I knew that breech babies come quickly. So I had this panic of, I've got to get to the hospital as quickly as possible because say we were like an hour from home. I didn't have my bag in the car or anything like that. Um, so there was the, we need to get there as quickly as possible. But at the same time, I, I remember just feeling really calm, like, okay, this is happening. Um, I'm going to have a C-section, like it's going to happen tonight. Our baby's arriving tonight. And I remember I just sort of put together a playlist on my phone because I hadn't done that yet. And <laughs> as they, we just sort of had this to drive as, as quickly as possible, but also quite calmly, just like, okay, so we're going to have a baby tonight. Um, so yeah I was telling people now when we talk about playlists I'm like do not wait do it now because even if you think a playlist is going to take you five minutes if it's one of a yeah. list of things of each of which takes five minutes suddenly you're like oh we don't have time plus you can never remember everything that you want in that playlist at the time it's when they just pop up so you always say do them along the way so from your point of view if um somebody is in the later stages of pregnancy now you would say to them that sometimes your waters do break just like in the movies so it is a good idea to have some maternity pans or uh, pads not pans or a change of clothes and also to have if you're driving or being driven to have something that you can sit on in the car so that so that doesn't happen now a really personal question i hope you don't mind me asking i've not primed you on this when um when your waters broke, was there the comedy puddle on the floor or was you you were just aware of how much the waters had broken? Yeah, so it, it wasn't like a puddle on the floor. <laughs> it was definitely like my jeans were like absorbed everything. My jeans and like right down into the boots. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it wasn't like all over the floor. It wasn't um, you know, it, but it definitely um, you know, it there was I suppose it's that thing that I probably thought there was a lot of liquid and there was, it wasn't like, yeah. trickle, but there was, it wasn't just like a sort of, you know, tidal wave. <laughs> well, we all know when we spill a glass of wine or a glass of water that a small amount can go a long way and make yeah. stuff really wet. So it's the same kind of thing, isn't it? But particularly if you're wearing jeans and at least um, for you, it was a, a cooler time of year. It was kind of October, wasn't it? So it's yeah. not as if it was June and you were out in a pair of shorts or like a summer dress. You're like, oh, oh yeah, I, mean, I, I think my jeans kind of soaked up most of it. But yeah. I, and, it, and this is another thing that I think I hadn't really I don't know if it's just sort of blissful ignorance, I guess. But what I didn't realize is like your waters break, but it's not just like a like one moment, like one kind of gush. It is like <laughs> continuous. So from that point on, it's like every time I moved, I could kind of feel that, you know, there was more um you know, fluid coming out. And so that was kind of a a really I don't know like I mean it's you know not particularly pleasant but also I was kind of panicking because I was like oh my god like is there any like anything left around <laughs> as well so, when yeah, is this stuff gonna stop <laughs> yeah it, it's definitely weird and obviously the like the feeling of the the kicks and things change because there's less of this kind of water around as well so yeah that was a bit a bit odd <laughs> so lots going on so at that point you go home so they can get your hospital bag talk to us from hospital bag back to hospital what happens yeah so I um I 
got my hospital bag. And actually, when we got home, I was quite calm. I was like, right, I'm going to have a shower. And just, um, I just needed it to kind of clean myself up, feel human, put on like a new pair of leggings and pants and pads and all that. So get myself kind of prepared um, to go to hospital, which although we were sort of rushing, I mean, it, you know, it was about 15 minutes, but it, I did kind of need that of like, you know, having, say, having a hot shower and feeling ready. Um, and then I grabbed an orange on my way out the door, which is very rare. Because <laughs> I was like, right, I'm going into, you know, I need to have something um, healthy, like, because I've eaten this massive fish and chips dinner. I'm going to have, um, you know, an orange and that'll, that'll see me through, like something nice and healthy before I go, like, you know, last supper kind of thing. I'm heading up hospital. So, so we got the um, maternity assessment unit and uh say so the midwives there like right okay we know you're coming in put me on the monitor straight away and um, check baby's heartbeat checking the baby's position um so did a scan and they're like yeah baby's still um still in breach position <laughs> and then it was kind of a lot of waiting around because say so i remember i had um a registrar who's different registrar to the one who actually um did delivery came in and got me to sign all the forms consent forms for a c-section said you know, are you happy that that's what you want to do and then um they said well what was the last thing you ate I was like well I ate an orange and <laughs> I was going out the door and uh, I said yeah I'd have fish and chips and then I had an orange and that was about four o'clock I'm like right okay and then came back and said right well um, the anaesthetist won't, um, it doesn't want to give you the spinal until you've had at least uh, six hours where you haven't eaten anything. So like a clear six hours, no food and drink. Um, so from now, you can't have anything else. You can't have a drink. You can't have, you know, obviously any food. Um, we've just got to get to uh, sort of say 10 o'clock. Um, but they were like, well, obviously we want to get you to 10 o'clock, but you're not in established labour. So actually what we'd like to do, because it's Sunday night, is if possible, keep you in overnight and to um, take you for the C-section in the morning. Um, because it's, you know, there's no urgency, you're not in labour, it's all fine. Um, so sort of waited around and then they went, you know, when there was a room available, took us to the delivery suite. And um, I remember going into the delivery suite and saying, you yeah, can I just have like a glass of water to... Um, you because it's really hot <laughs> like like well you can have a glass of water it's a midwife being like but you, you can just wet your lips you're not allowed to like drink it okay and I said well I'm you know, I'm in quite a lot of sort of pain in an awkward position can I have a, a birthing ball it's like no no you can't really have a birthing ball because that's gonna that's gonna make the baby come quicker um so I sort of found myself strapped to the bed with the monitor on um you know sat on the back on the bed on a um labor ward which was so far away <laughs> from what i'd originally originally planned um and say so we sort of sat there for a couple hours i remember it being quite boring to be honest i had um i had my kindles so i was reading that i had a um like just like a cloth with a bit of lavender oil which i was sort of I'd originally had that as part of my um, original birth 
plan of when I was going to have this lovely, beautiful water birth. Um, and so I was sort of using that to sort of consent a bit, to try and keep myself calm, still trying to you know, be as calm and relaxed as possible. I was able to um, walk about a little bit, but mm-hmm. as I say, they were very much, you can't do things that are going to um, encourage the baby to come along. And so at the point that I'd moved, been moved to the labour ward, they'd done, uh, I'd consented to having a, an internal exam. Again, something that I'd not actually planned on doing when I was planning to have a, an actual delivery. But um, I was, my cervix was fully closed, even though my water's gone. Um, and I was starting to get a little bit of contractions, nothing mm. particularly strong. And then in the course of those couple hours that we were sat in uh, in this room on the labour ward, they came back and said, right, um, you're, uh, you, you're starting to get proper contractions now, we can see on the monitor. I remember I'd been thinking, like, the next time the, um, the midwife comes in, I'm going to ask for gas and air because I hadn't had anything until that point. That offered me paracetamol and I, just, I didn't yeah. need it. I didn't feel like I needed it at that point. Um, but I remember I sort of got to the point where I was like, this is getting quite intense. I was like, if I'm not in established labour, then I don't think I really want to be in established labour. Like I'm, I'm kind of struggling with this. And I, I was doing, the, again, the 4-8 breathing. Um, you had my lavender oil and was just trying to relax as much as possible. But I wasn't able to do a lot of the more active things. And so, so when they came in and said, actually, you know, you, you are in established labour now. So we'd like to do another internal exam. So I did that exam and I was five centimetres dilated. So I dilated very, very quickly. And that was the point that I went from being a, um, so category three C-section, which is a um, planned C-section delivery and um, sort of no urgency to it to a category two c-section which is where what most people would term an emergency c-section so it's not a true emergency and that you're not under um, general anesthetic which is for a category one but it's there's you know a a risk to mother or baby if the baby isn't delivered um so <laughs> sort of came midwife sort of rushed about you know went and and got on the um spoke to the registrar came back in threw some scrubs at Neil and was just like right you need to get everything you need because we're going to theatre now and uh and so I sort of put back on the bed and wheeled to um to theatre Neil obviously had to get changed and put scrubs on um and sort of grab you know a hat and a um a nappy and things for, for the baby and and then we were we were off to theatre um and so that was about eight o'clock. So it was about four hours after I'd gone into um, in the assessment unit. And I was, I was still doing my 4-8 breathing. Um, and I found that really helpful when they did the spinal because it helped me to kind of stay and um, to, to sit on like the edge of the bed. Um, and then obviously they put it in your back. But I found, because I was having quite intense contractions, I found that was quite helpful because I knew I needed to kind of stay as still as possible. Um, and then it was just a case of you know, waiting for, for that to take effect. Um, and then it was just you know, the, the C-section. I mean, from my point of view, I, say I was sort of laying 
on the bed. Obviously, there was a lot of things going on around me, but I just had um, Neil sort of sat next to my head. We had my phone um, just sort of next to me playing the like playlist that we put together. And um, yeah, and it just sort of, I mean, I could, like someone had described a C-section as feeling like um, someone doing the dishes in like in your stomach. And it does feel a little bit like you, it's not painful, but you can definitely feel kind of like tugging and movement, which is a bit of an odd sensation. Um, but yeah, and then uh, Rosamund was delivered. So um, they uh, held her up um, above the kind of the curtain. And uh, obviously we didn't know the sex at the time. So we're like, you know, it's a girl. And then she immediately proceeded to um, start to do a poo. So rather than having delayed cord clamping and all the things that, um, you know, for her to go straight on my chest, the things that just went, right, we need to just clear, clean her up, make sure that none of it comes on you because obviously mm-hmm. it's, you know, everything's open. Um, so took her off to the side. Neil went with her and the midwife cleaned her up and weighed her and then he put an nappy on her and then they brought her straight back to me um, and then she didn't you know move from my chest for well for most of the night then and um, so yeah so you really at this point you've moved so far away from the idea of your dream birth the bits you're holding on to even when all of this is going on and there's been a lot of activity a lot of different things you know you've got to experience labor you've had your waters break you've allowed your your labor to start naturally you've dilated all of these different parts have happened and yet there's still the little part in your brain that goes I have my lavender I got to hold on to my lavender it was it was in my plan it's one to me healthy baby at the end of it that was in my plan number two and then you still had your your four eight breathing to be able to do and your your playlist and to have Neil there and you've still gone through the process with all of the the brains acronym the benefits mm-hmm. the risks alternatives instincts do nothing and, and smile you still had access to to do all of those but there's a part of you that at that moment in time no matter how Rosalind had had got to be on your chest mm-hmm. it was still just like yes this was what it was all for yeah and I remember say when they just kind of lifted her up I was just completely you know overwhelmed and it didn't in that moment it didn't matter to me kind of you know how she'd arrived it was just that she'd she'd arrived and she was there and you know she was um you know healthy I remember when they took her to site I, I do remember feeling quite kind of panicked um just because I was like is she crying is she okay and um, they had a uh, a pediatrician just mm. in theatre um didn't have a consultant because the consultant was on call on a Sunday night and it was all all too quick um so it was just a registrar who did the delivery um but yeah, and say so they they brought her back home to me straight away, and they're sort of like, you know, it's all fine. Um, and then we were just there for quite a long time, really, um, because they were uh, trying to get make sure they got all the placenta. Mm-hmm. And I know that they were a bit worried that they hadn't got it, um, but there was the point at which I was obviously bleeding. They were worried that I was going to have. Um, quite a lot of blood loss so they went right we're just gonna you know close you up now we think we've got everything um so that took a bit of time and uh but yeah it was all I mean even though we didn't I mean I'd read about you know 
genital C-sections and we didn't have delayed cord clamping. We didn't have music on the stereo system. It was just my phone by my head. We didn't have um, the lights dimmed. You know, we didn't have a discussion about whether they'd lower the curtain or anything else. Um, but that didn't, it didn't matter. You know, it was, I'd say the, me and Neil next to me, um, you know, and we were listening to songs. We got to choose which song was playing when she was actually delivered. Um, I know that I probably would have wanted the curtain down, but Neil definitely didn't um, because he's sort of, he even says it now, he's like, there are some parts of your wife that need to remain a mystery. <laughs> so he was, and to be honest, it was good for him because I think he's, He's not squeamish, but he definitely, like, when we've gone for scans and things, he'd got quite faint um, and uh, had lots of nurses fussing over him <laughs> during the scans. Um, so actually, you know, for him, it was really good because he was able to just kind of sit next to me. And then obviously Rosamond was born. He was able to go with her and then kind of come back. Um, and you know, he was able to stay with me the whole time. And then we were taken back out into the recovery area and, and the midwife helped me get Rosalind on my breast because I'd, I'd sort of been trying to get her to latch, but it hadn't really happened. And so they sort of changed my position and, and got her um, latched so that I could feed her. And then they took me to the, um, the labor ward to recover. Um, and so it's probably about midnight and I know that because it's a, um, you know, a, a multiple occupancy ward, like I wasn't in a private room. And um, so they sort of said to me, oh, you, know, you don't have to rush, but at some point you, you, know, you have to go. And that was sort of the point at which he then so he went home, got some sleep, <laughs> and, uh, but he'd been with me the whole time. Yeah, which was really amazing. And as um, as we just for clarification for anybody watching, this was way pre-COVID. So Neil was able to to stay there yeah. for, for that bit longer. And then I know that when you had a few days to, to be in the hospital initially, didn't you? So that you could just have that recovery time so that you established yeah. a really good latch with Rosenwyn. And also just so that you could have a bit of time to recover. And although you had the support because you had medical staff around you, I guess there's always a question in your mind of, you know, what would the support have been like or how would that have been different if I was at home as well? But overall, you had a positive experience of still being in the hospital for that time, didn't you? Yeah, I actually, I kind of enjoyed being in the hospital. I don't know if that's quite the right word for it. <laughs> um, but it was nice because it was like there was no pressure to do anything I didn't have to um to get up and uh yeah that was really good yeah because obviously it is really difficult um so first of all having the spinal that last I think the effects of that were um gosh it must have been like at least eight hours you know so I like in that first night as I was on the ward mm. um you know, I had people coming and checking on me every like 30 minutes and helping me turn, so turning from side to side to make sure that I wasn't um, you know, on one side for too long. And then I remember it kind of getting like light because um, I was sort of right next to a window and then the um, nurse coming up sort of, it's about, must have been about five in the morning. It was really early <laughs> and taking me for a shower um, and I passed out. And I passed out when I was like getting dry from having a shower. 
And then they were starting to walk me back across the corridor, back to um, the bed. And I passed out again, um, took the first <laughs> by surprise. And then it was only when I sort of got back to the bed, they're like, oh, so, you know, have you eaten anything? I was like, no, I've not eaten anything. Okay. Back to that orange again. Yeah, tea and toast, because they had offered it to me, um, but it had been like one in the morning. I was like, I don't, I don't want to eat now. Like, I'm not going to have a cup of tea. Um, so, so then they gave me that, and then they gave me breakfast. And then I say like, you know, I just literally sat in bed for, for three days. I had people coming and getting me um, you know, meals. So Neil would go to the day room and, and get food for me. So I didn't really have to get up. Um, I only really had to get up to go to the bathroom and to um, you know, go go and wash. And and then it was just the same me and Roswin. Neil was able to be there during the day from eight till eight. Um, and there was sort of visitors ward I think from like 12 till 7 something like that um but then after eight o'clock it was just like it was nice because it was quiet I didn't have to worry about there being any people um but it was also a little bit scary because it was kind of like I just you know me and a baby and although there are other people around it it did feel quite like we were on our own which was quite nice in a way because it felt like you know we're a team and we're kind of getting through this um, so certainly if I'd been at home, I would have had Neil there during during the night. Um, so I would have had that support. But I think I also would have felt more, I would have put more pressure on myself to be trying to get up and, you know, be moving about. Whereas because in the hostel, you know, you, you don't really do anything other than sit in the bed. I could just kind of snooze and... Um, you know, eat the snacks that I put in my hospital bag when I was planning to, um, you know, to to have a, a natural delivery. And yeah, it was just kind of quite a nice, kind of chilled out couple of days, really. Your first girl's holiday. <laughs> <laughs> if we could call it a girl's holiday. So if you were going to give um, any other first time mums, anyone who's never had a C-section before, any advice with regard to a C-section, what would you say? um so in terms of the c-section itself like don't don't be worried about it it's all very um i suppose it's very routine although it's one of those things that it is major abdominal surgery but people don't think about it that way so in terms of the recovery um you know you definitely have to give yourself time but in terms of the let's say the, the operation itself it's all very straightforward it didn't feel particularly um I suppose clinical I guess I don't know if that's because of like the theatre environment it wasn't particularly um like I suppose if you watch like you know medical shows it, it didn't feel as sort of as you know, cold and clinical as, as it could yeah, I guess in a normal situation if you were having major surgery your husband wouldn't be next to you holding your hand yeah. and you wouldn't be playing music unconscious so that yes, really helps yeah, exactly. to make it helps to make it a lot more familiar doesn't it yeah and I say I was sort of really quite um unaware of what was going on around me like there were people in the room but actually we were just kind of focused on you know chatting to each other and not really thinking about you know everything else that was going on um so yeah it's definitely that was fine and then the recovery it did take me um yeah, a little bit of time 
to recover. I had to have um, injections for, I think it was like 10 days afterwards. So I was having to do those every night um, and I had to wear compression socks. I think they told me to wear compression socks for like six weeks. I can't remember if I did wear them for six weeks. I remember I wore them for quite a long time. Um, and uh, yeah, but then I say, you know, definitely take, um, take lots of, you know, snacks and drinks and um, not so much things to do, but like pack as if you're going for, for a couple of days away. A mini break. Yeah, yeah, because you, you do end up, you know, even if, I know some people do have a C-section and kind of go straight home, but actually, you know, if you prepare yourself for the fact that you can be in hospital for a few days, it'll, you know, you'll make sure that you've got everything that you need. And, you know, and don't rush yourself to um, to go home. I mean, instead about you know, breastfeeding, I was really lucky because I was in hospital for several days that the um, midwife who was the breastfeeding specialist midwife was actually on shift and was able to, um, to help me. And you know, I had quite a lot of help from midwives to, um, to make sure that breastfeeding was established before I went home. Um, but yeah, and then when you get home, you know, just take things easy. I mean, I remember we went for, um, we just went out like to the shops in Halifax at, so it must have been about a week later and I remember I was kind of pushing the pram but then I remember I got like I started to feel kind of like twinges in my stomach mm. and I, I that the other thing to remember is that although the kind of sort of where you've got the stitches and the scar might heal very quickly on the outside there's a lot of healing that needs to go on inside as well so even now like when I'm exercising and things I try to be um quite careful if I'm doing sort of a lot of kind of core things because I know not that I'm sort of particularly worried about it but just to like I'm more aware of it than I was you know it's just being kind again and remembering that there's been a lot of activity in there your body's been through a lot in in many different ways and your mind's been through a lot so it's also just giving yourself that that kind of this compassion back in the way that you move and the way that you look after yourself. Yeah, and as I say, you, it, is, it is major surgery. And I think we often forget that it's major surgery, but you do need to give yourself time in the same way you would if you're having any other operation. You know, you'd yeah. expect to be you know, in bed or on the sofa for a few weeks and not really doing a lot. Um, I know my uh, someone I work with, told me this is before I even knew that I was going to have a c-section but she she'd had a c-section and she said that her mother-in-law had paid for a cleaner um, after she'd um had the c-section and now looking back I'm like yeah that would be like absolutely the best, best <laughs> c-section what can you get them as a um you know like a, a, a gift um and definitely like something like that or you know you giving someone um some meals that they can just heat up and think because actually you know you don't want to be getting up and worrying about cleaning or cooking or things like that so definitely making sure that there's that support around you um as much as possible I know it's difficult with um COVID at the moment but making sure you've got that support so that you're not feeling like you have to do all of those kind of 
you know chores around the house and that actually you can just take the time to recover absolutely it's like whenever um we used to come back from holiday abroad my aunt would have come up and just gone into the house before we got there put some milk in the fridge put a loaf of bread maybe some homemade soup just so that first moment where you walk in through the door your whole holiday spirit hasn't just been dropped (laughs) by the fact that you've just come back into there's no milk there's no bread i'm starving (laughs) there's nothing to get on with so yeah just having that level of support because i was able to to have those discussions, to make those choices and to actually have the time to kind of accept what has happened, that, that my birth plan had changed. Yeah. Um, I don't, you know, I think I probably would have found it harder if it had been more of a, you know, I was in labour and um, you suddenly everything changes. And I would say, you know, the fact that Rosamond came quickly and that I was dilating really quickly if I hadn't had that scan that I had way back at 36 weeks, then she would have been, um, you know, it probably would have been a breach delivery, which was definitely, you know, lower on my list than a a C-section in terms of things that I had a lot of anxiety about. So, you know, it did work out like the right way in the end. But I say a lot of that came from um, just understanding what the options were and feeling in control of those decisions mm. rather than necessarily to where the decisions led yeah absolutely it's the ability to the education that you get and the creation of your birth plan as opposed to whether or not your birth plan happens to the letter that's almost <laughs> the bit that we come back to again know your preferences and then you know where you can duck and weave along the way and where you can feel involved and included well that has been lovely to to hear to hear your experience how much you literally did your ebb and flow the whole way through and went with what whatever had to happen to come up is there anything else you would like to add or share today um no I was just gonna say just on on birth plans actually that I again you know the thing that really helped me was rather than to um certainly when I so when I first wrote my birth plan I was very much focused on this is the um you know the, the dream birth this is what I want I want a water birth and yeah. um, you said about like pain management and things like that but actually if you go through the entire birth plan and say not just this is how I want it to be but if this happens mm. what I want to happen yeah. um, and I did do that a little bit at first where I sort of said if I have to have a c-section this is what I want um, but then I sort of revisited it and went, okay, this is what's going to happen. If, you know, I'm probably going to have a C-section. Um, but doing that the first time, right, like going through the whole thing was definitely worthwhile because it did get me thinking about, you know, even though at the point that I was writing it, I was still in the mindset of, but I'm not going to have a C-section. Um, you know, it helped to write those things out so that then when things did change and I came back to it, I already had that kind of you know foundation of I've already sort of thought about it let's give some more thought to it and how I can bring in the different things and um you know reflect the discussions I've been having and that's your ability to be able to take a step back from the emotion of the situation and saying okay so this is happening what are we going to do with the the cards that we've been dealt with now what's our next choice and then moving forward from there and I think that's a really big part of 
feeling empowered and as we said before of using your your brains and your benefits risks alternatives instinct intuition do nothing and smile which we'll talk about lots in other videos so don't worry if you're like oh can't write them down fast enough so all in all just an amazing story and Rosamyn an absolute delight used to love having her sitting on my knee jostling around while everyone was doing complete chilled out relaxations at the end and Rosamyn's why are you holding me? <laughs> You're so cute. Now, Rebecca, if anybody wants to follow you, you've got a good social presence. You're up to a couple of exciting things in different departments. Share a little bit about that. Um, yeah, so I've got a blog, which is um, www.aminimalistmother.com, um, where I write about various things to do with um, motherhood and sustainability and minimalism. Um, and then I also have a podcast, which is called The Intentional Mum, um, which there's a link to it on my website. You can also find it on like Spotify and um, iTunes and Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts and kind of all of the, the podcast providers. Um, but that's where I have conversations with um, other women, uh, mostly mums, but just other women who are um, inspiring and doing lots of inspiring things. And um, so, you know, if that's that's your thing, then sort of when the baby's asleep, get yourself a cup of tea and yeah. um, and have a listen. Um, and then I'm always on Instagram, spend most of my time on Instagram. I see um, you on Instagram every day. I'm like, there's Rebecca, hi. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, again, something that I did a lot more of because, you know, when you're sort of trapped under a sleeping baby and all you've got is your phone, um, you know, it's, it's a bit of connection to, to other people and there's a you know, really lovely community of, of mums um, on Instagram. So I'm at a.minimalist.mother. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm there if anyone you know, wants to come and say hello or has any kind of questions or anything like that. Perfect. And I'll pop those links underneath um, here as well so that people can get them because I, I always think it's... Um, a minimalist mum it's like the the muppet no don't change it trust me don't change it <laughs> you'll be forever chasing yourself around links to other podcasts and blogs and trying to change every link back to something else so no stay stay with that name it works a treat <laughs> Perfect. Oh, Rebecca, that's been really, really lovely. I'm sure a huge, huge help for lots of people today. Anyone who is pregnant right now, who's just found out the baby's in breach, who's not sure what to make of a C-section, who's worried the birth plan's going to go out the window, multitude of different ways. I'm, I'm really sure that that's helped people. So thank you so, so much. What are you off to do now? Uh, do you know? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I think Rosamond's about to wake up from her nap, so I'm sure it will be trying to do some kind of messy play or something. You'll go and have a cuddle. It's <laughs> a perfect way. I'm going to go and go out for a walk before the rain comes because I think there's still a bit of sunshine out there. <laughs> perfect. Well, thank you so, so much, and we will talk to you soon. I'm sure we've got something else up our sleeve for another interview coming soon. So stay close for that. Rebecca and I are cooking up something special. Bye, everybody. Thank you. Bye bye. Are you ready to take control of the ways you can influence your birth for the better? Head over to sophiahanson.com and bag yourself a freebie. Calm and relax is the name of the game no matter what type of birth you are planning. 
make sure you subscribe so you never miss a thing. Lots of love. Bye-bye for now. Thank you.